All right, first of all, um, anybody, a leap year baby in here? Nobody? Well, that just blew that then, never mind. Let's get to the sermon. I going to sing happy birthday to you, first time in four years. But I don't know if I could without coughing, y'all are making me cough this morning. I hear so many of you coughing and it just, you know. Um, I want to welcome you, and we've been in this series in Mark, going through the Gospel of Mark, and um, that's in the New Testament, one of the four Gospels, biographies of Jesus, written by Mark. And last week we talked about following Jesus. Wow, what a tough message that was. Um, You know, Jesus doesn't want fans. He wants followers. He wants committed believers. And we talked about how, you know, what that means. You know, we declare him as king. That's what Messiah means. Uh, we, we place our trust in, in him as king, even though sometimes we don't understand. We still trust him. And then we talked about surrendering our lives, you know, laying our lives literally down, if need be, uh, to him, for him to use for his glory. And what does that require to do those things? It requires faith. Um, it does. You know, when you think about what he asked us to do, to pick up your cross and follow him and to do that daily, that means that you have to exercise your faith daily, doesn't it? Um, To live by faith is what the Bible calls us to do, to walk by faith. And here's the thing, that's not easy. That's not easy at all. It's extremely difficult. And I want to make a statement that might shock you but it's true. At some point in your life, your faith will fail. At some point in your life, your faith will falter. You, you will. You will fail. There will be times when you struggle with your faith. And that might be hard for some of you to hear. What do you do when that happens? How do you feel? What does it mean? Does it mean you're a failure because your faith fails? How do you handle it when your faith is conflicted? Those are very important questions, but they're very real issues that if you're honest, each of you face. We'll be in Mark chapter 9 today. We're going to look at how important our faith is. It is so important, but we're also going to look at how real the struggle is. You've heard that phrase, the struggle is real. You know, that is faith. We're going to see how Jesus deals with faltering faith in this story. And there's really, it's one story, but there's really two scenes. Uh, The first scene is is a story involving Jesus and his disciples. And then the second half of the story, the second scene is, is Jesus with the father of a boy. But it's all one big story. So we'll begin reading in verse 14 of Mark 9. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. All right, so let me set the stage here. And if you've got your Bibles open, you can just glance before these verses. 
But before this, Jesus took three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on, up on top of a high mountain. And on top of this mountain, it says that Jesus was transfigured before them. Does that, what does that mean? It doesn't mean transformed like a transformer. It literally means he was sort of unveiled, like the veil dropped. And it says that his clothes were so white, brighter than any person can bleach, which amazes me because I'm a bleachy person, right? I could bleach anything and make it snow white. But it says that his clothes were brighter than any person could bleach them. It was majestic. It was magnificent. The glory of God shone around them. And uh, then it became a party. Moses and Elijah showed up and appeared there with Jesus. And look, it says that the disciples recognized them. How is that possible? I don't know. It tells me we'll, we'll recognize people that we, we, we know in heaven. They recognized Elijah and Moses. And uh, man, they, they wanted to stay there, especially Peter. He said, I'll, I'll build a tent for you and you and you, and we'll just stay here. Uh, Peter was on cloud nine, <laughs> you know. Um, but Jesus had a plan to accomplish, right? And it wasn't to be up there on top of a mountain. No, it was to go to the cross, so he had to come down off the mountain. And that's what they did. They left, came down off the mountain, and into the valley, back to the real world, Right? And when they come down, there's this great crowd that had formed at the bottom of the mountain. And they stumbled upon an argument between the disciples. The, it says the scribes here, which is just the religious leaders. The scribes would have been sort of like the lawyers. And the, uh, and the rest of the people were there. Now, wh- let me ask you this. What do you see? What do you do when you see people arguing? <laughs> do you go towards them? Uh, no, I don't. I do a juke move and go the other way. I'm like, oh, whoa. Or I act like I didn't see them. You know, you turn your head down or whatever. Anyway, they saw Jesus and it says they were amazed. Maybe he, I don't know why they were amazed. Maybe he had a glow. Maybe he was still glowing. But they saw him. They recognized him. They ran up to him. Verse 16. And he asked them, that's Jesus asking them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. So we see what the argument was about in this. A, a man, a father had a need and he he came to the disciples and he was probably looking for Jesus but Jesus wasn't there and so he settled for I guess the next best thing in his mind was the disciples his son had an evil spirit okay he was his son was possessed by an evil spirit he was demon possessed and this evil spirit just wreaked havoc on the boy's life and the the father was so desperate so he came to the disciples bringing his son, probably carrying his son with the hopes that he could be healed. But it says this, they were not able. They were not able. And just picture this. 
being in the large crowd, this mixture of disciples, this mixture of religious leaders and just everyday people. And wow, you can imagine the arguments and the, and the debates and, and everything that started. This guy brings his son and there's this big crowd there and the disciples says, step back, watch this. You know, they probably do this and stretch and uh, happens, right? How embarrassing. What's the, what's the scribes thinking? Oh, yeah, see, we told you. They work with demons, right? Remember when they said that about Jesus? Or, or imagine being the, the people. Oh, yeah, we knew it was fake. Yeah, got to be something to it. But imagine being the disciples. What? We, this worked last week. Why well, is it not working now, right? Why were they not able Jesus answers, verse 19. He answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Now, Jesus was pretty upset here, right? That's pretty clear. He's just saying, you guys just don't get it. You, you don't, you haven't learned by now? You mean, I've walked with you, I've done things for you, in front of you, I've taught you, and you don't get it by now? He said they were faithless, and he's talking to everybody, but primarily he was talking to, to the disciples. They were faithless. They were, they were not able because they lacked faith. What does that mean? And, and how does that happen? How do they do that? Well, here's the key. They acted as if they didn't need Jesus. Okay? Uh, before, er, earlier in Mark, Jesus had sent them out. He told them to go out, and he gave them his power and his authority to minister, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. Jesus did that. This time, where was Jesus? He wasn't there. He's up on a mountain, and these guys just sort of went out on their own, doing their own thing, apart from Jesus. You know, many times we... Do the same. You listening? We live life apart from Jesus. We try to. And it, and it doesn't work. I personally struggle with this. I have struggled with this. You know, especially as a pastor person, you know, you feel like you've got to get to the point where you're mature enough to maybe make some decisions on your own. Maybe you're mature enough to do some things on your own. Maybe you feel the same way. I've been a Christian a long, long time. I should be able to do things on my own by now. I got to tell you, and I'm just being completely honest with you. There's been several times over the past couple of years that I have crashed. Failed. Ready to quit. W wanting to give up. Yeah, it doesn't work. It, I want you to write this down. We never graduate from needing the power and presence of Jesus in our lives. Never. We, we never. we never get to that point where we're beyond the need of Jesus. You see, we need him in the beginning. We need him in the end. But yet, we also need him all the way through. We need the power and presence of Jesus. And we need those two things, his presence and his power. We need those all the time.
my favorite verse and maybe your favorite verse too is um, Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Awesome verse. But you know what we do? We focus on the I can do all things part. And we forget about the rest of it. I saw an um, Instagram post of a young boy. I'm not going to mention his name because you might, you might know him. Um, young boy in Tazewell, baseball player. He was posing, baseball bat. You know, and the caption just said, I can do all things. Philippians 4.13. Bro, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. But what about the rest of it? How tragic is that? That's the completely wrong idea of the whole verse. Yet many of us live that way. Many of us think that way. Oh, I can do all things. That's encouraging, isn't it? It's not true. The opposite of Philippians 4.13, I'm not sure how to say this. I'm sure there's a grammar term for it. It's the opposite, but it's the same. It's synonymous, but it's the opposite way of saying it, okay? Philippians 4.13, the opposite of that is John 15.5. And Jesus is saying this. He says, abide in me. Abide means to live, to camp out, to reside, to lay claim. Abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's, the, it's saying the exact same thing, just the opposite way. Uh, later on, this is after the resurrection. I think this is neat when you think about it. It's a good illustration for our lives. Later on, Peter was, was waiting in Galilee for Jesus, for the resurrected Jesus. And he got tired of waiting. He said, I'm going to go fishing. And, and Peter wasn't just a weekend fisherman like many of us. You know, that's what he was by trade. He went out, didn't catch a thing. Not one thing. But guess what happened when Jesus showed up? He caught more than his net could hold. That is the picture of what John 15, 5 is saying. Apart from me, you can do nothing. With me, you can do everything. You see? That makes sense to us? We need Jesus all the time so that we can be the best that we can be in every area of our lives. What that means is I can't be the best husband that I can be apart from Jesus. I can't be the best father I can be apart from Jesus. I can't be the best employee that I can be apart from Jesus. I can't be the best person. I cannot be effective in my ministry apart from Jesus. Do you see how that, from my angle, like I can get up here and try to do ministry all day long. Apart from Jesus, it's not going to mean anything. Like you, you nursery leaders, children's workers, youth leaders, praise team members, you can try to do ministry all you want. Apart from Jesus, doesn't mean anything. It won't accomplish much. Just be spinning your wheels. You'll feel like giving up. If we leave Jesus out of anything, we become ineffective in just about everything. You see, that's what the disciples did. And I want these words 
seared into your mind, they were not able. That's what happens when you leave Jesus out of the picture. They were not able. So Jesus was frustrated, but compassionate. He, he said, bring the boy to me. Now we get to see the faith from a different angle here into the transition into the next scene. Same story, different person, and a different struggle with faith. Verse 20. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Now Jesus had already cast, casted, whatever, cast out many spirits before this. Many. And it's interesting that each and every time that an evil spirit sees Jesus, they wig out. They do, I mean, they just like, oh, wow, we can't, we can't handle this. They wig out. He just shows up, man, and they go crazy. They're terrified of Jesus. Verse 21, and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. And Jesus, he knew how long. But he wanted everybody there to know that this boy had struggled with this his whole life. Look, look, this just isn't just a 48-hour stomach bug. You know, he's not spitting pea soup, you know, just 48-hour bug. He's been dealing with this his whole life, his whole life. Demonic activity is a real thing. It's not Hollywood. It's real. And the goal of the enemy is destruction. In this time, as we read this, the enemy manifested themselves mainly through possession. Right? Actually possessing people. I believe the enemy still does that today. Okay? In some parts of the world, I mean, I believe the enemy still does this today but for us maybe but maybe not why because the enemy doesn't need to possess you to destroy you in America are you kidding me he just hides out he just makes this look attractive over here he makes this look appealing over here he'll cast a little bit of doubt over here all he has to do is tempt you to destroy you in America. We've got so many things, so much materialism, so many resources. The enemy, for the most part, destroys through temptation. He tears up marriages through infidelity and conflict, tears up homes and families through child abuse and parent neglect, destroys lives through alcohol and drug addiction. There's so many ways, look, there's so many ways that the enemy tries to destroy you right now. Okay? There's so many ways that he tries to do that. That's, we don't need to live apart from Jesus. They wig out in his presence. 
so many times here, the Spirit has tried to destroy this boy. And I just imagine this as a father. The father has seen it go on his whole life. If you're a parent, you know how that feels. When you've got a sick child and there's nothing you can do but hold them and pray and comfort them. I mean, imagine how this guy felt. He felt helpless. Reedy Gonis, he says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can't, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. He comes to Jesus and says, help me if you can. Can you hear the doubt in his words? That he's, he's hesitant here. He's less than confident. He's struggling. He, he's tried many years, many different things, been to different people. Five minutes, ten minutes before this, he went to the disciples and probably got his hopes up. They were not able. They failed. So he goes to Jesus and he says, look, if you can, help me. And Jesus said, if you can? Right? That's how you're coming at me with this? If you can? Do you know who you're talking to? He says, all things are possible. You just have to believe. You have to have faith. Have you ever heard that? I know that we mean well when we say that to others, you have faith. But if you're on the receiving end of that and you're going through a difficult time and you're struggling and somebody tells you, hey, just have faith, <laughs> that's not easy, is it? Just have faith. Oh, anything's possible. The father got to the point where he cried out, cried out, yelled out, shouted. I do believe, help my unbelief. What's he saying there? Exactly what he said, okay? He's back and, and forth. He's struggling with his faith. He believes, but there's unbelief there at the same time. Can they coexist? Yes, they can. He said, I'm turning to you in the hopes that you can do something. I'm struggling. I don't know what else to do. Well, what did Jesus do here? Verse 25. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Isn't that good? Now Jesus cast the evil spirit out of the boy, and the boy who had been possessed and oppressed and tortured for such a long time, just imagine that being taken out of him, that weight lifted. He just collapsed. Mentally, physically, spiritually, he was done. 
he just collapsed. And everybody thought he was dead, but Jesus reached out and lifted the boy up and restored him to life. Wow. Mark just sort of goes on. It doesn't say how the people reacted, but I'd be willing to bet that everybody was amazed. Wouldn't you? I'd be willing to bet that this was a very powerful moment. I'd be willing to bet that the father and the boy went on to follow Jesus, and man, would they have a story to tell, right? Of the one who heals, the one who loves, the one who has compassion, the one who I can run to even when I'm doubting. If we're honest, we would say there are and have been times in our lives when we struggle with unbelief. Maybe you are struggling to have faith as you sit in that chair. Maybe you are conflicted and you feel like a spiritual failure right now. I've felt that way many times. Look, I guess what I'm trying to say today in this is that will happen. And that's okay. I told you in the beginning, all of us will struggle with faith at some point. At some point, your faith will fail. Look, the disciples did. They failed. John the Baptist did, as we read. John was in prison, and he sent word through his disciples to Jesus, asking him if he really was the Messiah, or should they be expecting somebody else. (laughs) Jesus said that John was the greatest of all prophets, and he had doubts. Pretty much everybody in the Bible struggled with faith. Let me ask you this. Why should you be any different? Is your name in there? I mean, are you some big hero, faith type person? None of us are. Everybody struggles with faith. God doesn't want us to. He doesn't want us to, but he knows we will. He knows that we will. He knows there will be times when our faith falters. He knows there will be times when our faith is weak. He knows there will be times when we struggle and we wrestle with doubt. But the second thing I want you to write down is this. Struggling faith becomes real faith when you become real with Jesus. Struggling faith becomes real faith when you become real with Jesus. The difference between the disciples and this father is the father went to Jesus, you see. And he was real. You know, he was honest. He was open about his struggle. He didn't try to put on some kind of false image, some kind of false faith. He didn't try to act stronger than what he was. He just opened up and said, this is me. This is the real me. I'm struggling. I'm doubting. The key to struggling faith is struggling with Jesus. That's the key. We don't struggle out on our own. Here's the thing. If you try to struggle with your faith apart from Jesus, the enemy will pick you off. The enemy will just keep you over here, down and depressed and in a downward spiral. But if you come to Jesus, even in your struggle and you struggle with him, that's a different story. If we're going to struggle and doubt, it's best that we hash that out with Jesus because just by doing so, just by doing so, you are expressing a tiny bit of faith. And what did Jesus say about a tiny 
bit of faith can move a mountain. It can move a mountain. All right? I believe, help my unbelief. Do you need help with your faith this morning? Are you struggling to believe? Is your faith hanging by a thread? Do you feel like this father did, torn between hopeful belief and doubtful unbelief? Don't ignore it. Don't put on a fake face. Don't let it lead you to be isolated. Go to Jesus. He's there waiting to help you with your unbelief. One more lesson before we close. Verse 28. And when he had entered the house... His disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. But prayer. (laughs) After this was all over, the disciples, in their shame, sort of wanted to get away. You know, let's go in the house. Let's get away from these people. You showed us up. And and in their shame, they, they waited till they were all alone. And then they said, hey, Jesus, why can't we do this? You know, he sort of already answered them. But then he gives them this. He says, pray. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And what is prayer? It's, c- it's coming to the Lord. He, he, he was doing something interesting here. He didn't want the disciples to be left hanging. He didn't want them to be discouraged. He wanted to show them grace even in this moment here. He wanted to teach them a lesson. He didn't chastise them. Remember, he was angry in the beginning, wasn't he? He showed them grace. He didn't say, well, you guys just give up. You know, you can't do this. No, he wanted to encourage them. He gave them the information, the advice, and the help they needed to go out and succeed. Last thing I want you to write down, and we'll close out with this. Despite the changes in our faith, Jesus is always faithful. Despite the changes in our faith, Jesus is always faithful. He's always faithful to his followers. And look, he never changes. Your faith might, be, might look one way one week and another way the next. The faithfulness of Jesus never, ever changes. Despite our failures, he never fails. Jesus healed the boy. He honored the father's faith, even though it was just a a little bit. It was honest faith, and Jesus honored that. But he also showed grace to the disciples. Even though they failed, Jesus was faithful. He didn't give up on on them. And listen, He won't give up on you either. He won't. He understands you will go through seasons of doubt. But he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to know that he is there to help you, to teach you, to strengthen you. He wants you to have faith. He does. But he also wants this. He wants you to be dependent upon him. I read this quote by Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Superman, right? Superman preacher guy. The Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep 
deep discouragement. I have to go to God with tears in my eyes and say, God, help me. What? That's Billy Graham. Yeah, that's true of each and every one of us. I want you to hear that today. We need God, and he's there to help us. Is that you today? Struggling, doubting? If that's not you today, it could be you tomorrow. No matter where you are, I want you to remember this. Jesus is faithful. He is a rock. He is a fortress. He is our protector. He is a shield. He is our source of provision. And he is always, always able. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your faithfulness to us. Father, help us to have faith in you. But in those moments where we struggle with faith, help us to understand that you won't turn us away. That you are there even to increase our faith, to help us through our struggle, to help us throughout our doubts, to love on us, and to show us grace. Father, help us to never try to do things apart from you on our own. Help us to understand that we need to have you central to our lives in everything that we do. For those of us this morning that are struggling with our faith, may we turn to you. May we do as the Father did and say, I, I believe, help my unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen.